What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to the From Downtown Podcast. I'm your host, Dahani Joseph, and today we are back with another episode, this time talking about the Western and Eastern Conference NBA semifinal matches. Today we had a guest, Adam Campos, graduating senior here at Syracuse, going on to ABC, doing big things, but resident Bay Area fan, Golden State Warrior fan. I know we already had Sam on some episodes, but we gotta, we gotta, we gotta get a little bit of everything. Some more, uh, some more fans of Golden State. You know, you can never have too much of that. We got his take on the Golden State Warriors and their opening game loss to the Lakers. We also talked about the Sixers and Celtics series. Now the Celtics blew Game One in a fashion that was kind of predictable, according to Adam. Uh, also, Suns, Nuggets, his thoughts on that series, and Nixon Heat, getting a little bit of everything with this episode. Also, happy 50th episode to the From Downtown podcast. I was looking at the episode, and I'm like, whoa, it's, it's getting pretty close to 50, and now we are here. So, just amazing that we made it to 50 episodes, and let's hope for 50 more. Alright guys, today we are here Wednesday, May 3rd. Later today, the Celtics and the Sixers are playing. But before that, we want to talk about the Eastern Conference and the Western Conference for that matter. Semifinals round. Here I'm with Adam Campos, first time on the podcast. Adam, how you doing, man? I'm doing good, man. Appreciate you for having me. Of course. Uh, big Warriors fan here, uh, originally from the Bay. And, uh, you know, let, let's get into the Warriors. The Warriors, they played the Lakers last night and they lost Lakers 117 to 112 against Golden State and you know quite frankly I have the Warriors winning this series I think just from that game seven performance seeing Steph doing what he did like he was in complete control of the game from start to finish and I think when you have such shooting ability like we know what Steph is and now people are talking about is he the greatest point guard of all time and I say eh, hold the brakes but there, there could be an argument if he wins the fifth championship but for this Lakers team man you know Anthony Davis came out and this is the Anthony Davis that won them the 2020 title. I think when the offense is running through him, when ev- everything starts and ends with Anthony Davis on both ends of the floor, the Lakers, they can be anybody, and they showed it tonight. Well, last night. Yeah. I just think with Anthony Davis, it's all—it's going to be all about his consistency. That's what everybody's been saying throughout this entire buildup to this series. And, I mean, the fact that he came out 30 points, 11 for 19, 8 for 8 from free throws. I mean, that's you can't ask for him to have a better game. Yeah. For Golden State on this on this matchup, though, for them to lose this game by five, and the only, really the one factor in this was the free throw uh, disparity, being 23 more free throws than the Warriors, the Lakers shooting 23 more, I'm fine with that. Okay. Like, I really do not see a problem for Golden State the rest of the series going out, because is are the Lakers going to shoot that many more free throws than the Warriors every game? I doubt that. The Warriors coming out hitting 21 threes. That's a good sign. I know everybody was getting on Jordan Poole. That, that was a dumb shot. A it dumb was a shot. crazy shot. Does he? If he makes it, great shot. If he doesn't, it's a bad shot. And that's exactly what happened. Because you know he can knock that down. But besides him shooting that shot, he had a great game. He, yeah. Like yeah. That, that's the biggest thing that I think people need to take away from it. Is not the fact that he might have blown us the game with that shot, which he didn't. That wasn't the reason that we lost. He had a good game, and that was his best game so far in the playoffs. So that could have been like his his coming out party for these playoffs. And that's really something that I think people need to pay attention to for the rest of the series, to see how Jordan Poole capitalizes off having a 20-point game, a good uh, solid shooting game as well. So we'll see. Yeah, uh, Steph, Clay, and Poole had six threes each in that game. So you talk about shooting, you talk about ball movement. That's what the Warriors have been for this, what, seven-year run, dynastic run that the Golden State Warriors have been on. Uh, you talk about that shot, 
when I was watching it and I saw him shoot it, one, I, I figured he was shooting this because Jordan Poole has the irrational confidence of that varsity player who knows he's better than everybody else and he can do whatever he wants because he's his coach's favorite. And, you know, sometimes it doesn't work out because you have a guy named uh, Stephen Curry who's the, who's the best player on that team by far. And I, I think Curry, I mean, excuse me, Poole has been watching way too many Curry highlights. It was eight seconds on the shot clock. He could have took at least two dribbles in or, you know, find Steph, find Clay. You don't have to take that 30-footer no. with, with so much time left on the clock. That's the one thing about it. It's because of how much time there was and the fact that they could have gotten a better shot. That's where it comes in as a dumb shot. But again, I'm not... I, I don't want to get on the guy too much because I know he can make that. And at the same time, too, he had six threes last night. That would have been yeah, huge. seventh. If he's, if he's hot, I'm not mad at somebody that's been feeling it all game to take a shot that could potentially win us the game. In terms of that late game situation, though, he should know better. Better shot selection, which has always been Poole's thing. You know, he's a guy that can get hot easily, but when he starts taking these 30-footers, you know, fading away. And he does this more, more often than not. Whenever I watch Poole, I feel like he's taking these heat check type of shots. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned the free throw disparity. Uh, one of the bigger disparities, actually, points in the paint. Lakers had 54 points in the paint compared to Golden State's 28. And I think that'll be a theme throughout these playoffs. You know, Anthony Davis, he's an interior guy. He, he can go for the 15-footer, um, maybe an occasional three. LeBron, his three-point shooting, horrendous uh, throughout these playoffs in the 20s. I think last night he ended up one for a seven from three-point range. He doesn't have it from three-point range anymore. But for the Warriors, you know, they're going to be bombing away from three. As, as you know, you have Steph, Clay, Draymond. I mean, not Draymond. He, he had one or two. But, you know, Poole, yeah. Wiggins, those core guys. Their ability to shoot it from outside has been what's carried them a lot throughout this run. And I think that, you know, when they are making threes, like last night, they have a really good chance to win. That comes down to the free throws, like you mentioned. That's such a wide gap. And the Lakers, they were making, uh, I don't have the numbers on my head, but probably like 85 90% of the free throws that they took. So, you know, you're going to win a lot of ball games when that free throw disparity is so high. But like you mentioned for Golden State, if they're shooting the way that they're shooting, the, they're gonna, the free throws are going to come back down to around even. And I think Golden State, they have a pretty good chance to win this series. And that's the thing, too. Clay didn't have his best game. I know Clay is known for... Started his, off strong. It, it, yeah, but for the rest of the game, he didn't shoot that well. And he's known for his inconsistency. But you know Clay's not going to shoot like that every game. And he didn't shoot well at all. Steph even kind of had an off shooting night as well. 10 for 24. That's a, that's a bad shooting night for him. For some people, yeah. that's good. But I so I I'm I think they're in a good spot honestly the fact that they were able to keep them within five five yes the Lakers got out on a little bit of the run once they started once they started hitting a few threes but if again if free throws are going to be the way that the Lakers are going to win this series then I I don't think Golden State's going to have an issue with turning this up and honestly flipping the, the script again and taking control of it one thing about Golden State that I noticed that they had a problem with in the King series. It's any opportunity that they had to build momentum. Any chance that they had a run, it's coming points off turnovers. It's coming off a missed opportunity for the Lakers, missing easy shots or not or not uh, converting on the offensive end in, in any way that they could. The Warriors haven't been able to put together a signature run so far this postseason. And mm. that's what has carried them so much in the previous playoffs. one of those third quarter runs those third quarter yeah. runs when they're just popping out for 15 to 2 runs 20 to 2 runs whatever it may be we haven't seen golden state they with one of those at all one that i can remember at least off the top of my head right now but they struggled with that in the king series in building a run and they struggled last night again to build a solid run they got a 12 to 2 run but even then that was them trying to play catch up so it didn't really have any effect on them you're, we need to see them capitalize off the points off turnovers and any type of missed opportunities that the Lakers have. Stop trading baskets. Go three, three, uh, get three buckets in a row, get three stops in a row. We haven't seen that from Golden State. And once they get into the later rounds, if they beat the Lakers, you're not going to be able to do that against Denver. You're not going to be able to do that against the Celtics if this, if they we have a rematch in the yeah. in the postseason. Even the even the 76ers, whoever the Warriors may play in the later rounds. You're not going to want to see them do that. 
I'll give the Warriors credit, you know, offensive rebounding. Since, you know, you want to go back to, what, game five when Kevon Looney, I think he, that was the first 20 rebound game. Just, like, he's a monster on the boards. And, and maybe because I'm not, like, I'm not watching the Warriors all, all the time, so maybe you can give me some insight. Is this new, or has he been doing this? He's been doing this. Okay. Honestly, like, he, he has consistently been one of the best rebounders in the league. It's just the fact that because he does it in such a quiet way, most of the time, then you're not really you're not really paying attention to it. But now over these just this last series, because of the magnitude of the games against yeah. the Kings and then now against the Lakers, I, people are starting to see it because he's getting boards over several guys guys that are at least three three or four inches taller than him. Whether it's Sabonis, this whether it's AD, whether just the the entire teams are bigger than the Warriors. Yeah. Kevon Looney's still in there at 6'9", grabbing these boards. But he just knows how to rebound. He knows where to place himself after every shot. He knows where the guys are coming to box them out. He knows where the ball's going to bounce off of. And that's all a part of rebounding. It's not just the most athleticism, the, the biggest hands to be able to go up and grab the board. It's not the tallest person. It's There's a lot more to rebounding that I think a lot of people don't understand. And that's what makes it so much more special for Kevon Looney because he is 6'9", but because he he just uses the fundamentals of rebounding to his advantage so much that he is able to grab that many boards, and it's special. He's yeah, putting he, on a master class. He reminds me of uh, early Kevin Love. We talk about just Kevin Love being 6'8", 6'9", in the shoes back in Minnesota. He was getting 2020s on a, a nightly basis. Yeah. And similar, you know, so skill set, not the most athletic, but, you know, he just had that sense for where the ball was going exactly. off the rim. And that paid dividends, especially for Golden State, man. He's talking about back-breaking shots. If Steph Curry misses a three, and, and you're like, okay, thank God he missed. But then you don't get the offensive rebound, and then you kick it out, and then he gets another one. He's not missing that one. He's not missing Like, if he gets a reload, it's it's over. That's such a demoralizing shot. It is. That, that's so tough. And then, you know, with Wiggins, you know, getting offensive rebounds last night, I think he had, like, three back-to-back-to-back offensive rebounds when Austin Reeves was guarding him. And they didn't score. It's yeah. moments like that. That's what I'm saying. It's anytime that they could build momentum like that, when Looney is grabbing these offensive boards, they need to score. Go ahead. I just wanted to No, and you're definitely right. That's a killer, man. Like, you talk about when when you have the greatest shooter on, on planet Earth, when you have Clay Thompson, top five, top three, wherever you want to put him, and they miss shots and give them another chance, one, that's demoralizing because you thought you got to stop. And then now they get a th- reload three. That's going in. But now they're, they're feeling it. They're hot. They can go easily five, six threes in a row. Exactly. And that's where, you know, those runs, talking about third quarter runs. I, You know, watching basketball for, for so long, I think, I was a fan before this, but 14-15, the year the Golden State Warriors first won, that's when I first, like, really tuned into the playoffs, like, the season as a whole. So, like, I grew up really just like, okay, Warriors, this is their style. And I was always waiting for the third quarter. Third quarter comes, it's like, all right, 20-2 run, just like great defense, getting stops, Blitzing Steph. everybody. Blitzing everybody. And by the time it's fourth quarter, the score is like 90 to like 72 or something crazy. Yeah. That's the hallmark of the Golden State Warriors. And to your point, they aren't doing that. And maybe that's just because defensively they aren't the same teams that they once were. Offensively, you know, they still have the same core guys, but it's not quite the same. And uh, luckily for the Golden State Warriors, this Lakers team – they aren't the best shooting team, and I think that will become a detriment at some point. I think, you know, Anthony Davis is going to have nights like this every night, maybe. But, you know, it's shaky at best. We got It's health. It's always health with Anthony Davis. Yeah. LeBron, you know, he's at this point now where in his career, he'll, he'll get you like 21, 22, maybe eight rebounds, five assists. That's sort of what he's at during this postseason. Mm-hmm. Will he have a turn back the clock game? You know, you can maybe see a 35 and there, maybe – Oh, 100%. Uh, a, a critical a critical game five where two two you got to win one to stave off the the impending elimination next game. I can certainly see that, but it's all about the role players with the Los Angeles Lakers, and I think Golden State. I just I just trust them a little bit more than the Los Angeles Lakers at this current point in time. I just think if LeBron James has a, a turn back the clock game, he goes off for thirty five. I'm not mad at that because are the other guys getting involved? Will he in that game? Will he get the other guys involved? That's going to be a big question, which wouldn't surprise me if he does. LeBron, he's an all-around player. Uh, he says himself, he's a pass-first player. He's not even a scorer like that when really he is. I mean, he's an all-time leading uh, points scorer. Um, but I I think 
shutting down Anthony Davis is going to be key too. And because he's not the most consistent player as well, I don't know if we're going to see him have a 30-23 uh, game, game again. We may see one more, maybe two more. Or, but even then, I don't know if we're going to see that consistent a play from Anthony Davis because that's the thing. That's Not only has that been the biggest question for him throughout this entire postseason, it's been the entire question for him throughout his entire time as a Lake. Yeah. It's either he's going out having these 30-20 games or he's having 6-4. and four. And there's no reason for a, as talented of a player as Anthony Davis for him not to be putting up 30-25 a game with at least 10 to 15 boards, but he just doesn't have that type of consistency. So I think once the Warriors are able to key in on Anthony Davis and really slow him down and make the other guys beat them, then I think they'll be fine. Because the fact that they still had a bad shooting night last night and they still hit 21 threes, I, I really think Golden State is in a good spot right now. I'm not worried at all. It's first to four, not first to one. You're definitely right about that. You know, that, that shooting is going to be key. I really believe Golden State has the ability to outshoot this Lakers team. It's going to be a lot of Anthony Davis. And, you know, you might have that turn back the clock game like you mentioned, maybe. But one player that did turn back the clock, James Harden. In the Philadelphia 76ers game one against the Boston Celtics, James Harden led the Sixers 119-115 to in TD Garden. He had 45 points, Adam. That is t- tied for his playoff career high. A guy that... James Harden, first ballot Hall of Famer, um, MVP, scoring champ numerous amount of times. I, I think this moment was huge for his legacy. You're talking about Noah Embiid, who, congratulations to him, by the way, winning MVP. But that was huge for his legacy, just cementing the fact that, you know, he's had playoff failures before, but now this is his best shot to win an NBA championship. You can, you can look at the Houston 2018 versus Kevin Durant and the Golden State Warriors. That's totally fair. But right now, I think we look at the fact that the Milwaukee Bucks, they're out. That would have been their greatest challenge outside the Boston Celtics. Because even if they got through this round, they'll still have to play Milwaukee with Giannis. That's a tough series. And then you have to go up against whoever comes out the West. But now, Boston, this is your biggest threat. Potentially the entire playoffs right now. If you knock them off. And then you have either Knicks or, or Miami, whoever wins that series. You know, th- they'll be challenged for sure, but I think either one of them, that's a six-game series. Philadelphia could come out on top. And then who are they going to play? The, the Nuggets, maybe the Warriors. I- I'd really consider favoring the Sixers in any of those series, especially if James Harden can put on the performance he did in game one. I this This has been my hot take. Yes, James Harden. I, I, I'll, I'll give it to him on this game, especially because he only had four free throws. That's a, That kind of surprised me. That was the first thing I checked after I saw that he had 45. I was like, how many free throws did he shoot? Very fair. Because I'm not going to lie. A lot of these like crazy 50-point, 60-point games that he dropped, he's shooting like 20-plus free throws in a majority of them. So it's kind of hard really to see like, okay, what is he actually doing? Is he just drawing the fouls or has he actually been going to get buckets? Not to discredit him as a scorer at all. He is one of the best offensive talents that we have seen come through the league. So for him to put up a game like this, 7 for 14, 17 for 30, he from the field, uh, from the field 7 for 14 from 3, that's an impressive stat line to drop in 45 and to beat the Celtics like that. Again, like you said, are we going to get this hardened every time? Because even in moments where Embiid may have been hurt, we haven't. This is the first time I feel like we've really seen James Harden come through in the clutch like that, yeah. where Embiid's been out. And for the rest of the role guys, I mean Tyrese Maxey. I mean he had a he had a pretty solid game as well. I mean, and he's somebody you know he can go get you a bucket anytime he wants. Also, so the 76ers really do have a good roster put together. When it comes down to it, though, I here's my hot take that I was going to say. James Harden's never going to win a title. It's just, okay. That is my hot take. Granted, he is, and I say that because of his playing style that he had in Houston. Yes, he is playing in a different role here with the 76ers. But depending on how long Embiid may be out, which hopefully isn't too long, I think he's supposed to play game two. Um, but I'm not sure yet. But if Embiid just happens to miss a little bit more time, I don't know if this is the sustainable play for the 76ers for James Harden to have to drop this 45 every night, to drop the 40, even the 30. I, I, I haven't seen him win when he does that. So they're going to need him beat back if they're going to actually want a chance at beating the Celtics in the series. Absolutely. And we turn to the Celtics, right? You know, as a Celtics fan, 
I'm going to take the Celtics in this series. But you look at their roster, you look at the talent they have, they're the better team than Philadelphia. But what concerns me is the coaching. Joe Mazzulla, this is his first year with the Celtics. Obviously, when you have 57 wins, 25 losses, that's a great first year as coach, no doubt about it. But at times, it doesn't feel like the same team from a year ago. You know, when they flipped the switch, they made that great run to the finals. Defense was their calling card. This year, it's been offense. It's an all-offense. You look at the from the beginning of the year to about the end of the year, they were in the top two or three in scoring. The Kings ultimately eclipsed them. The Golden State Warriors were right there, number two, I believe. But Boston was always in the top three. Look, last year, they were number one defensively. They, they were, like, borderline top ten. But defense, it was their calling card. They were on it. We had Marcus Smart, Defensive Player of the Year, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum taking the toughest perimeter ass- assignments, you know, Al Horford. Rob, the whole crew, they were focused defensively. And the scheme that they had were great. Now, looking at this game, you mentioned Harden had 45. A lot of those points, especially the three-pointers, that came off of switches off the pick and roll where Al Horford was the primary defender. Now, I, I love Al Horford, but Adam, if you were in the NBA right now and you had Al Horford on a switch, you you, you could you could you can get buckets easily. You're attacking him. Yeah, you're attacking him 100%. And what did Golden State do last year? Exactly my point. But at certain times, man, you have to make the adjustments if you're Joe Mazzula. You cannot let an offensive player the magnitude of James Harden continually target Al Horford, and not send any help. Like, if you're going to do that, you know, at least have someone help off or take him out the game. I would rather have Rob Williams, who's athletic, who can cover more ground mm-hmm. guarding him, than Al Horford, who's as great as he is. I love Al Horford. Savvy veteran, the whole the whole nine yards. He's, he's what, 36, 37? He can't move. He, he can never move like mm-hmm. that. Even back in his days at Florida when he was in college, he was not that type of guy to guard in space on the perimeter. So I think this is a wake-up call for Joe Mazzula. Celtics, yeah, late game execution, they got to do better than that. And that last play where Marcus Smart tried to dish it down to Tatum for the layup, ended up in a turnover, you can't do that, man. Two-man action with Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum. That's the, that's what you have to do when you have two superstar players like that. But defensively is what I'm concerned about for these Boston Celtics. I think just with any team, honestly, you don't see a lot of teams, honestly, except with Steph, because of how lethal he is from outside, you don't see a lot of teams jump the screens at all. You don't see a lot of a, a lot of hedging. You don't see you may see a quick hedge out and then they're rolling back down for the drop coverage. But most of the time you're not seeing teams jump out on a screen Never. and getting a double in. You why why do you want to keep the ball in James Harden's hands? If you have that guy the guy that's athletic enough like Jalen Brown, like Jason Tatum, any any of those guys on the Celtics, maybe for the exception of Derek White. Even then, Derek White's actually not that bad of a Solid defender. defender. He's a pretty good defender himself. Any of those guys, if you just have Horford or Robert Williams jump out onto the screen, send a double, well, then you have ro- you have guys rotating over for the help. Then you have another guy helping the helper. As long as they play basic defensive fundamentals when they're in that help situation, I don't see why teams shouldn't be doubling these superstars more often. Yes, they're yes they could probably make more out of it sometimes, but at the same time, if you want to make other pe- people beat you, absolutely. And I think the Celtics have the athleticism to be able to do that to jump out onto the screen, get a double, a quick double on Harden, and to be able to scramble back. And play good defense. But not only that, it's the fact that Embiid wasn't in the game. The, their center for the entire game was Paul Reed. Paul Reed, he had 10 points, 13 rebounds, some key free throws. Paul Reed is about 6'9", 6'10". You know, you don't have to have Al Horford in there to, to get rebounds. You can have a lineup of Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown. You can put Jason Tatum at the five if you want to. Malcolm Brogdon, Derek White. Everybody can switch on to Harden. There's no weak link on defense. But instead, you have Al Horford out there on an island playing Dance Dance Revolution, trying to guard James Harden. Like, you, you can't do that in a game one where Embiid is not playing. Now Philadelphia has home court. Embiid, he's hyped. He's got the MVP. You already know he's going to go give a monster performance. James Harden doesn't need that 45 the rest of his life. That was what the Sixers needed. The Celtics, they fumbled a major opportunity to go up. One nothing in this series, and yes, it's only one game. I'm not overreacting to the fact that the Sixers won, the Celtics lost. I'm, I'm reacting to the fact that this, the coaching 
was not where as where it needed to be, and that's alarming for a team that's trying to make a deep playoff run. That's just me though. I, I, <laughs> it's gonna be a good series, honestly. I I think I think that might be the the best series that we're gonna see in the Eastern Conference in Celtics Seventy Sixers. They're both evenly matched, and I granted I haven't I can't say too much more because I haven't watched both teams. But I mean, even then, the few times like you said, what's gonna kill the Celtics in any point in time during this playoffs? Like, and it killed them last game is that late-game execution. The few times that I have watched them, they still struggle working in late. And that's exactly what cost them against Golden State last year. They weren't able to execute down the stretch. And and honestly, you would think after having that finals experience that that's something that they would turn around and work on and that they would have improved on. Absolutely. But even during the regular season, again, some of the times that I did actually get to watch the Celtics, I saw they struggled with executing late. And to me, that's kind of that's that's a concern, especially after coming off a finals appearance. I feel like that's one of the biggest things that you learn in the playoffs is how to execute late, because ultimately all these games are going to count for all forty-eight minutes. Yep. So for the Celtics, if they're if they're not converting late, that's then it's going to be a lot more rough of a series than it should be for them. Late game execution very big in the postseason. The New York Knicks they know a thing or two about late game execution. They were able to beat Miami one eleven to one hundred five. And that game was tight throughout. Miami, they had a more, it was a few points, three, five, eight at the most lead against New York Knicks. But credit to New York, without Jimmy Butler, Miami, they were threatening to go up 2 0, winning both games in the Garden. But for the Knicks, late game execution, they were able to not only stop Miami from scoring and some key stops. I will say that great defense by the team, also offensively executing, not forcing up head scratching threes not giving the ball to Julius Randle saying all right you go isolate and score what they did drive and kick move the ball around find the open shooter a lot of the times that was Josh Hart shout out to Josh Hart by the way near triple double for him on the night he was awesome Knicks fans love him he's getting resigned this year no doubt about it but just the hard-nosed nature of the New York Knicks I think that's what people gravitate towards his team for just you're saying that, all right, I'm going to give up my body. Josh Hart, a guy like Isaiah Hartenstein off the bench, Mitchell Robinson, all these guys, you know, they're hard-nosed type of dudes, and people from New York absolutely love it. And they also love the win, 1-1 going back to Miami. Oh, yeah. And you think hard-nosed. Look at look at Josh Hart and Jalen Brunson. They'll know the guys. Yeah. The most disciplined program, beside, maybe outside of Virginia, that is the most disciplined college basketball program um, in recent years, in terms of go, sticking with fundamentals, being being those hard nosed guys, guys, and take leaving your body out on the floor and just playing hard, that's Villanova basketball. Granted, yeah, now that Jay Wright's not there, it's kind of a little bit different. But when they were there, that's how they were taught to play in college, and that has really shown in the playoffs for both of them. And you know the meme uh, with Shaq, like I apologize, I didn't really. Know yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's me with Jalen Brunson. Fair, I will say that because very fair. he is tough. Yes, he played well last postseason, and that was also his coming out party for himself. But I didn't. I, I was kind of concerned because I'm like, are they really going to pay this man a max deal off of one good postseason? Uh, I, and they did, and I was concerned about that because I I was like, uh, like a lot. Of, and this is the thing that I have a problem with in the NBA right now is the fact that you have one 15 plus point per game season, and you're getting a max deal. And then you, you're you're set. You got a bag. You did what you needed to do. So for the seasons going on forward, if you're not if you're not playing as well, it don't matter. You still got a bag. And that was what I was kind of concerned with the Knicks and Jalen Brunson when they first signed him. And now he's he led them and to the playoffs, fourth seed, right? Fourth uh, seed. Yeah, let's go fourth seed. Pretty sure fourth seed. And fifth seed, fifth, fifth seed, seed, Cleveland's fourth. Yeah, fifth seed. Yeah, that's right. Cleveland was Cleveland was fourth seed. So still getting them to the fifth seed, and now they have a one. Uh, they're tied one one with the Miami Heat, who has a championship pedigree. It's bottom line. When you got Eric Spolstra leading them, and you have Jimmy Butler, who has played in the in in deep playoff runs, and that's pretty good pedigree that they got behind them. So for Jalen Brunson, thirty points, a thirty ball, ten for nineteen, six for ten. Hey, yo, I, I've been sleeping on Jalen Brunson. And he's been doing this all year. I think he had a great case for All-NBA. You talk about just the impact that he had all year. Uh, 
after not even after all-star break after the new year once new year shifted he was averaging 27 points eight assists like he was he was a mm-hmm. dog as, at the guard spot new york has been craving a point guard that could be a star for so long and I like Jalen Brunson's game too because I think what makes him so unique is because he's not the most athletic guy, but he's like, kind of like in a sense like Chris Paul because of the way yeah. that they know how to play with the pace of play. He knows when to turn the ball up and to start pushing up the floor. He knows when to slow it down to get the offense sent. He knows how to change speeds when he's driving through the lane. If stop on a dime, get a floater up, or to. Uh, go around, get the layup in, whatever it may be. It's all about that that pace of play, and Brunson knows how to do that so well. Absolutely, and that could make a world of difference if your point guard knows how to play with the pace. Why do you think the Kings were so good? De'Aaron Fox. That's exactly what makes him so special because he's so quick. He could get downhill at any point in time, but he also knows when to slow it down and where he can create other opportunities for his teammates. And Jalen Brunson does it just as well as anybody. Yeah, Brunson. Six one, if that you give him the the extra inch. He, he's six one, like you mentioned, not the most athletic. Just the ability to be a true floor general, but also he could score in in so many different ways. He has a post up game that most guards outside of maybe Kyrie Irving, they, they don't have that in their bag anymore. A post up mm-hmm. game, Brunson so easily backs you down. He's a stocky six one. I'm not sure of the weight, but if you say two fifteen, I, I I'd imagine he's a legit. That, that's his size, and it shows in his game. Uh, with Miami, they annoy me. And here's why they annoy me. <laughs> Let me hear this. The, the, here's why the Miami annoy me. I, I, I love Heat Coulter. I love Eric Spoelstra, the whole nine. When you're the Miami Heat, you're the eighth seed. You're, you're, you're the eighth seed. You were in the play-in for a reason. Dead last in points per game the entire year. You know, three-point shooting bottom third the entire year now in the postseason they are shooting like 2016 golden state warriors like the three-point shooting in the first round alone they shot 45 percent from three-point range this series they're, they're shooting great too i don't have numbers off of my head but they're shooting great too i'm watching the games they're hitting all the open shots gabe vincent thinks he's steph curry coming off of one one dribble off the screen pulling from deep gabe vincent on the night he, he had 21 points four for 12 half of those shots were Terrible shots. He made more than he should have. But they're overachieving right now, and it, it just irks my soul because as a person who believes in analytics and the stats, this should not be happening. Miami should not be in this position. The Bucks should be right here playing the Knicks. But they got hot at the right time, which I guess credit to them. Jimmy Butler, outstanding. Jimmy Butler's a dog. I'm not going to take that away from him. But everybody else, man, it, come on. Like, Cody Martin, 22 points. Cody Martin in a playoff him. game. Gabe Vincent is him. No, Adam. Bro, Gabe, Gabe Vincent. I'm gonna not. toss it back to the high school days. Gabe Vincent was so nice in high school, and so was so was Caleb Martin. Caleb Martin in Nevada was he was amazing. Yeah, like, in high school, Adam. Well, no, I'm it's, saying for Caleb Martin in um uh in college too, he was solid. Like Caleb, they have a salt. They actually do have a solid roster. That's why I was kind of surprised. As to how bad they were this regular season, especially coming off the season that they had last year too. Yeah, if they were if they were like a, a four seed with Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, Bam Adebayo's been on no show since. It, it feels like he doesn't have the same impact since the the finals, and maybe that's just me watching him. I whenever I watch him, I just think he's just he's just there on the court. You don't see him taking the ball, being as aggressive. He probably has good counting numbers probably 19 11 but just like the eye test tells you he's not really that guy that he should be in terms of his talent he, he's he has one of the best ball handling skills for a big man at 6'9 oh, yeah. like I, I watched some summer summer tapes of him he's so fluid with the ball you don't see that and maybe because he doesn't have the three-point shooting that some of these guys have even mid-range he's spotty at best i think bam and about could be doing so more jimmy butler's the, the lone ranger on the team everybody else is just at the peak of what they're going to be in their mm-hmm. career. And that's why the Miami Heat irked me so much. I don't think they should be in this position. Kudos to them. Congrats to them. Heat culture. Woohoo. Kendrick Perkins loves talking about uh, heat culture on ESPN. <laughs> but at the end of the day, this, I don't think it's sustainable. I, I think the Heat loses series in six, max, you know, maybe seven, but I, I'm counting it six. The Knicks are going to just 
the Knicks are going to do next things, and Heat are going to be doing Heat things, which means Heat's going to stop being as efficient offensively. Knicks are going to be dogs defensively. They'll be uh, maybe above average offensively. The regress to the mean, the Knicks are going to win it. The, the Knicks are a more talented team, and and that's the thing too. It's like now R.J. Barrett, it, he's had his few years in the league, and now with this playoff run, he's been playing well. I mean, twenty he had twenty four last night. Yeah, I gave up on R.J. Barrett, but I'm I'm great. I'm ha- very happy that he's doing his thing. I, I I and that's the thing. I I don't when you give up on a player after their second or third year, which I feel like a lot. I think that's one thing that. That is also wrong with NBA culture right now is the fact that we're expecting these guys to come out their Fair. first year and be dropping twenty a game, and if not, they're a bust. Yeah, like the expectations for them to be able to all of a sudden become these all star players so quickly, it's that's not right because then media, uh, social media comes in, then the players are hearing this. Like the players said, Steph Curry, Dre in the in the interview, they said we hear everything. So to think when a player says that they don't hear hear something, they're lying. So. I think with guys like R.J. Barrett that just needed a little bit more time to come into really who they are as a player in the league, it's the same thing almost with Jalen Brown, too. Yeah. If you really think yeah. about it, Jalen Brown was a little <laughs> rocky. In college, he was even a little bit rocky. And his and I just think a lot of guys, sometimes their game isn't fit for the college game, but for how the NBA is, their game is perfectly meshed together for NBA play. And I think that's how it was a little bit with R.J. Barrett. That's how it was with Jalen Brown originally. And these are and Jalen Brown's one of the best players in the league. And there are plenty of other guys, if I were to look down down an actual list, that we can say Jordan Poole's one of them as well. Yeah. He had his best season during the regular season this year. So I think for a guy like R.J. Barrett to see him being able to play at this level, even after all the criticism that he had for his last his first few seasons, I think it's great. And then you're tossing in in uh, Obi Toppin. You're tossing in Emmanuel quickly, who even though he struggled, he's still a bucket and could get 20 any given night that he wants to. You put all that together with that type of athleticism, that type of youth, it, the Knicks, they could... I hate to say this. I hate to say this, too. <laughs> because I'm not going to lie. I'd love to make fun of Knicks fans, but they can actually make a solid run into the Eastern Conference Finals. And who knows? Maybe... An NBA Finals is coming back to New York. Yeah. We'll yeah, see. You know, maybe. On that R.J. Barrett, Jalen Brown point, I just want to quickly just debunk that real quick. Jalen Brown coming in, he was not expected to, to be a star yeah. at all. He was expected to be a guy that's super athletic. He can play defense. If he shoots three great, he was not expected to be an all-NBA exactly. guy. But he didn't take time. But, again, the thing with that is, you know, when he got drafted, it was – now, I'm trying to think of the year. Was that Kyrie when he came? That was 2016. So the year after, yeah. Kyrie Irving, Jason Tatum, you know, they had a squad. They didn't necessarily need him to be that guy. When R.J. Barrett came to the Knicks, he was sort of expected to be, all right, you're out of Duke. You played with Zion. We didn't get the number one or number two pick. We didn't want mm-hmm. you. We wanted Zion. Yeah. That, that's the, that was the hype. We wanted Zion to come to the Garden. Then Ja would have been nice. You're the third option. You were the third pick, man. We didn't even want you. But they took him, so everybody in New York was like, all right, he could play. We saw the highlights at Montverde. We saw the highlights at Duke. Um, come in and give us 25 a night. He didn't do that. And I think, yes, the hype, the social media, being in New York, in the Garden, that certainly contributed to, all right, if he's not good by year two, get out of here. We don't even want you. But credit to R.J. Barrett, man. He's been hitting shots. He's been way more confident with driving, attacking. And, again, he's only 22 years old. He's six seven. He has time, and a, and a great example: Demar Derozan uh, coming into the league. Uh, he, he he could score. He, he was solid, but he didn't become an all star until I want to say what 27, 28. It was it's, it took a while before he really got to that level where like all right, he he's a he's a top guy in the league. Look at Steph. Yeah, if you think about it, it wasn't until Absolutely. year four that Steph really popped off, and it was because of his injuries. So, I mean, really, to, to get on these guys, and that's the thing with a lot of these teams, like the Knicks, like the Kings, and even for a few teams, Minnesota eventually is going to start playing into this. Some of these teams Ooh. where they had, where they, I mean, Minnesota's a different. Hold that, no, hold that Minnesota point for one second. Continue, continue. Because, continue. A, because a lot of these guys, a lot of these teams that have been developed, developing a lot of these guys, these young draft picks, and have been able to stick with them and actually build something around them, all of that is starting to come into play now. Yeah. It's start it's really starting to show that talent development, how much these guys have been able to improve since their rookie year. And that's why you're seeing teams like the Knicks, like the Kings, they're really starting to make their name known in the league. 
Minnesota, I feel like, was on that trail. So I'll retract that. They were kind of, I thought they were going to be on that path kind of where it's like, okay, they got the young talent and they're going to develop that. And in a few years, they're going to be good. But even after this year with who they had last year, I thought they had a more talented team than they should have. I don't see them being on the same track as the Knicks or the Kings. I'm happy you brought the Minnesota Timberwolves up. So the New York Knicks, you mentioned teams that are homegrown, you know, teams that develop their talent, they make it to the playoffs, they're solid, but they're missing one guy. They're, they're missing a star. Now, one Anthony Edwards of the Minnesota Timberwolves, he is under contract until next year. He will become a free agent in the summer of 2024. He'll have an option to sign a Supermax contract, assuming he makes All-NBA. That's fine and dandy. But let's be real. Anthony Edwards does not scream Minnesota. He does not scream, all right, I, I, I'm for that type of life. Not, nothing wrong with Minnesota. Shout out to anybody from Minnesota, Minneapolis, all that good stuff. But he, he's from Atlanta. He, he's from Georgia. You know, big city life. New York City. Anthony Edwards, I, I just feel like it's too perfect. You know, they just need one more guy, a superstar type of guy. Anthony Edwards, I said before the season started, he would have the third-year jump. You look at Michael Jordan, you look at Kobe Bryant, all those athletic wings, LeBron, year three was, exactly. their, was their blow-up year. Look at Anthony Edwards, he, he didn't have quite that year. He, his stats are, are rather the same, counting numbers, if you look from last year to this year. But... It's only a matter of time before he's a guy that's averaging 27-28 MVP conversation. You just see all the talent, all the intangibles. And what if the New York Knicks managed to get him in a New York Knicks uniform come summer 2024? You, you have Brunson under contract. You have Randall. You can restructure all the other guys. Keep the same core. Add a season Anthony Edwards to this mix. Why can't they be contenders? They can run. That the the speed at the at the pace that that team could play at if they get Anthony Edwards would be absolutely insane. They'd be able to run teams off the floor, just pushing the ball, getting down on the fast breaks, and even then, Anthony Edwards is not a bad shooter. Or so very much improved. Able, yeah, that's the thing. You're able to space the floor a little bit as well, and it's guys like him, and that's why I think the, his situation in Minnesota just isn't going to work. It's too congested for his type, his play style. While he can shoot a little bit. It, his, he's a downhill guy. He needs to get to the basket. That's what he can do best. And I think with Minnesota, he's just not going to be able to to really make that jump as a scorer or as a player with that type of offense that they got going in, even in Minnesota. Because, yes, Cat, he can spread the floor a little bit and go out uh, and knock down a three, but he's still a, uh, he's still a big, and he's going to try to get his money down low. Now you have Rudy Gobert there. Yeah, that's it's just not going to work for him. So it would be good to see – Anthony Edwards get into a place where he's going to really be able to attack. And me personally, I think that would be best in Golden State. Of course you do. <laughs> I mean, because seriously, look at Andrew Wiggins. Look at yeah, Wiggins. No. As soon as he got on a team that was going to allow him to play his game at his best, which is going downhill and playing his way in the post, he has turned into the all-star that he is now. Yeah. And he has been the, the second best or third best at any given time. Sometimes, even in some games, the best player for Golden State. And now, even though it was a lot longer for Williams to be able to find that time, look what he's doing now. So I think it could be a similar situation for Anthony Edwards. Yeah, no, definitely right. I think Anthony Edwards is out of Minnesota. I, I highly doubt. Unless, like, he really wants that super max if he makes All-NBA, which I guess go off, get your bag. But mm-hmm. at the same time, he has so much talent. You don't, you don't want to be a Kevin Garnett who wastes the majority of your prime years on a team that can't. They, they can't make a deep playoff run. It, it sucks because he's so talented. Even Carl Anthony Towns, he's super talented. It, it's, it's just tough to see. I, I want to see Anthony Edwards in a market where he can succeed, where he can be the face of a franchise that will embrace him. And what better place in New York City? He's a dog. He will fit right in to New York City basketball culture. Spike Lee will give him, I don't even know, he'll give him a yacht, he'll give him a private jet. Spike oh, Lee will God. give him whatever he wants, bring a championship to New York. I want to get to the last semifinal round matchup the Denver Nuggets versus the Phoenix Suns Denver up 2-0 97-87 the final score Chris Paul gets injured in that one you know that was sort of inevitable at this point we always see Chris Paul gets hurt one of my favorite point guards of all time it just sucks that you can never stay healthy for a postseason run except for that one where they faced the Bucks. he was relatively healthy during that run to the finals but they didn't win it so I just want to come to you first, Adam. What is your what is your thoughts on this Denver team, and are, are they really legit contenders? 
Yes, 100%. Denver Denver is because, and I hate to say it, because the, if the Warriors win, they're going to run into Denver. And, and Denver, I've been telling people all the time, Denver is the one team that actually does worry me because you talk about a 1-8 to eight lineup that is really solid, it's the Denver Nuggets. Mm-hmm. And because they, they aren't that – they're still young, but they're not rookie-type players. Yeah. They're not old – or they're they're older, but they're veteran players. They've got some playoff not experience. Too old, yeah. Where they they can't keep up with uh, these younger guys. Nikola Jokic, I mean, he's he's just he's an incredible player. But I have my words on him. Where I think if a team attacks him right, then they can take advantage. Which I think guys uh, guys. That's the thing about Phoenix too. I really think they should be playing aim more to their advantage in the way that they can attack attack with the ball. It's high screen Jokic, pick and roll. Yeah, get yeah. Jokic into those pick and roll situations. But the thing, the difference this year with this Denver Nuggets team is that they have that backside help with Aaron Gordon, Michael Porter Jr. That side, that type of size with that type of athleticism is insane for Denver, especially because of the back doors. Or is that just that whole style of play for Denver? It just works with the offense running through Nikola Jokic. And we've seen it work this year to perfection. So I think Denver, they have one of the more unique teams in the fact that they can play inside and out. And Phoenix, really, if you think about it, they're just banking on, on Booker and KD to, to go out there and get them buckets. Because DeAndre Ayton, he's he's actually had a solid game. But even then, it's nothing to where you would expect him, where you really think he should be. And everybody else, they're not really contributing anything that's big. So it's really just on, and this is the thing about teams that have ball dominant players because everything is expected to go towards them and run towards them if other guys are off they have no choice but to bail out so if you don't have other options it's going to be tough and the nuggets they have options the suns they don't and that's ultimately why they're up right now yeah you mentioned the depth of the denver nuggets you go through the list right aaron gordon porter jr Jokic, murray caldwell pope that's the starting five off the bench jeff green who's about 45 <laughs> in NBA years, but he's still athletic as heck. He can make some tough shots. I don't have yeah, one, one of three field goals, but there's nights where he can have 15 in a, in a quarter. And that's like, Oh wow. Now Denver's up by 15. Mm-hmm. Um, Bruce Brown coming over from Brooklyn, solid defender. You know, he added a three point shot to his arsenal. Christian Brown from Kansas last year, national champion. He's just a scrappy guy. Yeah. He's one of those guys that any playoff team would love to have. Versus Phoenix, their depth is subpar at best. Uh, KD, Aiden, Paul, Booker, Akogi, if you want him in a starting lineup. You know, that starting five, yes, great starting five, especially with Booker and Durant headlining. Uh, Torrey Craig, Biombo, Jock Landale, Campaign. These are, are, are these guys that you really want in a playoff series? Tory Craig is the lone exception. I'd say, all right, three and D guy. I, I want to win for some sizable minutes, but everybody else is like, all right. I, I'm not sure if I'm really ready to rock with you. I'd rather go six deep, but you can't do that with Kevin Durant, age 35, all the injuries he had. Chris Paul, you know, Booker is kind of the guy that you're gonna have to lean on him a lot. Kevin Durant too, but I feel like Booker, he's gonna have the ball in his hands a lot, way more than Chris Paul will have. Right. Booker will be that de facto point guard where. He's going to have the option to either come off a screen and shoot it, or he's going to have to pass the ball to Kevin Durant. And those are really your only two options. DeAndre Ayton, maybe for a 15 footer, he loves to get those. But it's really the Booker and Durant show. And when you have two guys of their skill level offensively, that's not the worst problem to have. But their depth certainly is an issue, especially going up against a Denver Nuggets team like this. Because that's the thing the Dem- Denver, Aaron Gordon, Michael Porter Jr., and Caldwell Pope, Jeff Green, even Christian Braun. The, any of those guys could have a so maybe with the exception uh, of Brown actually excuse me for the name botch um, with the exception of Brown all of them they could switch on to Kevin Durant they could switch on to Devin Barker and even then and Aaron Gordon Michael Porter Nikola Jokic Jeff Green they could all switch on to um, they could all switch on to Aiden that they the have size that, yeah. yeah that depth that they have on the defensive end and that versatility that they have is crazy and that's what look at i mean to hold phoenix with booker and durant to 87 points yeah that's that's rough. that's impressive when the only team outside of them that scored 87 in the postseason was cleveland exactly. and that that's saying a lot considering the firepower that this team has and their top two dogs um 
it's it's hard to say if this series is over. I want to say yes. I, I really don't see Phoenix winning four games, four out of the next five games. That's really tough to see, especially from what I've seen so far. Um, Phoenix, they they were quote unquote favorites. Um, no, you know, betting wise, betting betting wise, they they were favorites once they got Kevin Durant to come out the West. No. And I get it, Kevin Durant is a superstar, one of the best players of the generation. I understand it, but with the depth, they they're, they're a year away. And does Chris Paul have a year to, to spare at this point? Does Durant, with all his injury history, have a year to spare at this point? I'm I'm picking Denver to come out this series. I don't, it's too well, so it's kind of a cheat to to say that, but. If Denver gets out this series, they might just go and end up in the finals. I think they, I th- they like I said, Golden, for Golden State out of the West, I mean, granted, the Lakers are just as deep as Denver as well, and they may even be deeper, but I just think... A Denver that, a Denver Lakers series would be very good, interesting. Very good series, I think. But I just, I think, I think talent, oh, even then, I don't know if talent-wise, if Denver's better than the Lakers. The Lakers might honestly be the best team in the in in the West right now, but I think Denver they just got they got continuity. A, yeah, that continuity and just the way that they've been able to play this year, that system and that unique style of play, a with the inside out game, it's it's going to be pretty hard for any team to stop, even for my Golden State Warriors. But I think I think Denver is a legitimate contender this year, and I even I told people even last year, like yes, the Warriors knocked them out. Oh, in five games, but they were missing. Him. Yeah, they they were banged up. They that doesn't missing. count. That doesn't count. Yeah, that doesn't count. So it, I I think Denver. I knew Denver once they got healthy. Once these guys got got into it, it they were going to be fine. And look at Michael Porter Jr. Only had five points. You know he can put up more than five points. Absolutely. Any day. So it just one through five, Denver may have the best best one through five lineup right now. Yeah, I think it's sort of just the fact that, you know, it's the Denver Nuggets. It's not the Los Angeles Lakers. It's not the, the Warriors. It's not the sexy pick. And I think that's a lot of a lot of the reason why people are sort of like, really? Is, is Denver that Denver team that, that's going to come out the West? But top to bottom throughout the year. And, yes, it's been a weird year with injuries. Uh, the Lakers getting, like, six new players uh, definitely sort of shifted the the power balance, Luka Doncic sort of falling off a, a cliff with Dallas Mavericks. It's been a weird year mm-hmm. for the Western Conference. 53 wins for the number one seed in the West? That's unheard of. 53 yes. wins would get you like a, a, a seven or eight seed not too long ago. So yeah, it, it's certainly different, but the Nuggets, this might be their year. They, they might capitalize. Jokic might get his first championship. Uh, also, Fonz MVP, assuming that that's the case. Oh, and uh, yeah, no doubt about it. And Real argument there for Jokic being one of the top centers of all time. Uh, let's not go that far. Why not? Let's not go that far. Two MVPs, I, a, a, a title. Have, and I'll be honest, he shouldn't have even won either one of those MVPs. Really? Nope. Why not? Curry, Curry, had, Curry in 2020-2021, um, yes, he finished the eighth seed, but he had had a better offense. He, he, Curry has the last three seasons, or even two of the last three, has had a better year than his unanimous MVP year. And that year in in 2020-2021, he he went absolutely berserk that entire season. One month of averaging 44 points a game or or 40-plus a game. I don't remember the exact stat. Uh, Will that Warriors team, and if you know that roster, that roster was not put together well. He was missing Clay. Dre was missing for a good amount of the year as well, too. I do remember this now that you mentioned it. Exactly. Like, Curry was on a whole other world. And... Because he was the eighth seed, and even then, Jokic wasn't a top three seed. The Nuggets weren't a top three seed that year, if I'm pretty sure. Or, yeah, I don't and, think so. Yeah, and he still got MVP. Last year, when Embiid first made the record of being the first big man since Shaq to lead the, the league in, in scoring, scoring and Jokic didn't have anything that really like made a huge improvement to his year before that, and they were the sixth seed. Dude, what were the what were the 76ers last year? They were a top four seed. Yeah, at least. So, so if we they always they always change the narrative and they always change the way that they vote for these players, and I hate that because in the MLB, the NFL, it doesn't matter where a team finishes; it's who is the best player that year, and mm-hmm. that's how I think the NBA should do it because there are too many. Because if you think about it, look at how many more MVPs Kobe should have. Look at how yeah. many more you could even say LeBron should have. All of these guys, all of these talented players. 
here's and some of these all-time greats only having one MVP because of the way that the voting has trended over the over the last 20 25 years yeah it's ridiculous and and I per, and that's why I don't think Jokic should have won because I didn't see anything re- like yes he had a hell of a season and everything like that but to say he was the clear-cut best player in the league over the last three years no I don't see it very fair points uh I can't say I necessarily disagree with you. Uh, I'm I'm just trying to think back. Uh, last season, I, I thought Embiid should have won it. I, I definitely will say that. Uh, with Jokic, I think the reason why he won it was just because the heliocentricity of their offense. It was all running through Jokic. And that was because he didn't have his other great players. On-off numbers were crazy. I, I forget the, the numbers, but it was like they were like a top offense with him. The worst team, they were a G League team without him. And I think that's really why they were doing it. But you can say the same thing for Steph. Say, yeah, you can say, say the same thing for Steph, same, though. That's the yeah, thing. so it, it's very weird with the voting. Narrative has a lot to do with it. Steph definitely could have won that 2020-2021 award. Uh, I'm looking oh, at the voting. Uh, I'm looking at the voting right now for that year. It was Jokic number one, of course, MB number two. Steph was number three. Giannis four, Chris Paul surprisingly number five. I, I didn't know he was number five in that year. He had a good year. That was the that was the the finals year. Yes, it was. But you know, with Jokic, I don't want to discredit his his game. And I don't want to do that at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want to discredit his skills. Saying he doesn't deserve these MVPs. And again, uh, you're you're a Warriors fan, so you're probably a bias. I, I love Steph, but. Man, it's tough because he's so good. Jokic is so good. He, he is, and it, but it, it, he is it, so talented. It, it's just hard for me though to really say that he, the over the last three years that he was the best player in the league. I mean, because you got to look at his. I mean, if you put up his usage rate too, it's still impressive what he's doing. But his usage rate, I'm I'm pretty sure it's up there in the top three. Well, I don't think MVP top five top ten. But even then, if you look at look at Harden, where was his usage rate at? And when he was dropping those crazy numbers, it's the same thing for Jokic. Jokic, I think, is just a little bit different of a situation than Harden or some of these other ball-dominant guys because Jokic's game isn't about him scoring. He's mm. just – he lets all of the offense flow into his – and he's able to score into the offensive flow. These other guys like Harden, even like Trey Young and stuff like that, the offense is their – Yeah. The ball in their hands. So, well, yeah, that – I could keep my mouth shut on this one, but I, I, I could go on and on about this, honestly. Yeah, so. and you mentioned Jokic. You don't think that he was the best player for the last three years. You know, does MVP even really mean the best player? Because if that's the case, LeBron, how many MVPs should he have? He has four should right now. Yeah, at it, least, I mean, right? If you, if, you think of, if you think about it, look at every other league in, in, in professional sports. Usually the best player. It's the best player. Nobody adds in the team factor. Nobody adds in any of that. Look at Mike Trout. Mike Trout has has four or five himself, and mm-hmm. and the Angels can't, they can't even make the playoffs. Yeah, but his performance alone is just like exactly. All right, we got to give it to him. He's and, he's the best. And that's how it should be for the NBA. But the NBA just has this weird way of voting, and I I personally think it's it's bad for the game because there are a lot of guys and a lot of legends who have been who have forgotten seasons now. Because they didn't win that up. One guy, Dwayne Wade, I just want to say this before we hop off. One of my favorite players, 2009, I think that he should have won it. Uh, he was, I want to say, even number two or three. LeBron won that year. But Dwayne Wade, you look at some of his best highlights. They come from that 2009 season. He mm-hmm. was an animal. He was peak athleticism, peak just shot-making ability, dunking on people. He could do no wrong. Dwayne Wade, that was one of the years that he's still the third-best shooting guard of all time behind Jordan and Kobe. But man, you you give him an MVP, it's like wow. He he's just in different conversation in terms of top seventy five. Like where you rank him now versus then with an MVP, totally different exactly. conversation. Exactly. So that, that's my piece on that. I, I hope one day I can have an MVP vote just so I can put my 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 two cents into all these awards. Maybe twenty years from now, Bronny will be. Happy <laughs> conversation, Adam. We'll, we'll thank, see. thank you so much for joining us today, Adam. You want to plug anything, any social media or anything like that before we hop off? Yeah, go ahead and follow me on my uh, my Twitter, AR Campos TV. Um, you'll see a lot of Warriors tweets there and just tweet, tweets about a little bit about basketball, a little bit about news, just a mix of everything. But definitely go ahead, check it out. Uh, my Instagram is Adam R. Campos, just my name. I got a whole bunch of stuff on there, so just go ahead and give me a follow on those. Honey, appreciate you. For of course, me man. It's always good talking. Who? Yes, sir.
Thank you guys so much for tuning into this episode of the From Downtown Podcast. Please make sure to like, rate, share, all that good stuff so we can keep moving up on the algorithm. Like I mentioned, episode 50, and I'm super happy, super proud that we made 50 episodes. And, you know, season slowly coming to the end. We have the semifinals and the conference finals, NBA finals, and then some drafts. So maybe we'll cover some G League or Summer League stuff. I mean, WNBA here and there, but, you know, before we know it, we'll hit 100 episodes, and uh, we gotta do something special for that. What? I'm not sure right now. I'm gonna keep keep it a buck with you. I'm not too sure right now, but we will figure it out. But thank you so much for tuning in. Shout out to Adam for joining. It was a great time with him. Until next time, guys, take care. <laughs>